All right. Well, welcome to the inaugural episode of the Quack On podcast. We are very happy because Oregon got a win yesterday. I first off apologize for my mic quality. It's pretty bad. These two guys have much better mics than me right now, but we're working on that. Let's just dive right into it. Uh, Oregon wins 38-29. Really wasn't that close of a game until the end. Doug, what was your kind of your, your big play? You know, what was what was the hot topic for you in this game? Yeah, so I, I think in the preview um, that we talked about, to me it was about how how's Oregon going to come out? What kind of energy are we going to come out with? Are we going to come out flat? Are we going to come out fired up? And and clearly the Ducks came ready to play. I mean, they, they obviously must have had a good week, week of practice. They came out and decided they they were not going to let that that Utah game beat them twice, and they were going to show up. And they, they really came out fired up, and, and it was, you know, very dominant first half really and and they really were clicking in all phases there in the first half so i thought that was the big the big story of the game i think it got you know kind of got a little weird and chippy at the end but i think the big story of the game was oregon just came out and said we are not going to lose this game and they and they dominated what about you moss uh like we talked about on friday um we needed to get anthony brown running uh we did that early we added that fly motion stuff that we'd kind of seen but not to that degree um, it it kind of got their defense spread out a little bit, really opened up the running lanes for Brown. And then, I mean, Anthony Brown played a perfect game for him. I mean, you went, what, 23 of 28? Two touchdowns, no interceptions, very productive on the ground. He had, what, another touchdown in 80 yards. We got Travis Dyball 20 times on the ground. Uh, you compare that to a week ago where, you know, it looked completely different. So the strength of this team, we really played to that. And – Oregon's just a way better football team than Oregon State. And so the game got out of hand early. Of course, Oregon State made it look a little closer on the scoreboard. But overall, it was just a dominant offensive performance, I thought. We punted one time. So um, everything went right, didn't turn the ball over, and that just gets you an easy win, which happened. Yeah. I think for me, the the biggest takeaway I had was how well we defended their run game. I mean, their longest run of the day was 15 yards. Um, and for an Oregon State team that needs to run the ball in order to be efficient, that really put them behind the chains and put them in obvious passing situation. Not that we got home at all with the sacks. But we got close several times. Really did a good job at, at, at limiting that part of their offense because without that part of their offense, they're not as good. And that's how we built a lead and held on to that lead late in the game when they had to open up the passing game. So. Uh, overall offensive thoughts, Moss, how'd you think that we did? If you had to give the offense and maybe each position group a grade, what would you give it? There's times I'm not in love with our scheme, but for what we do, I'd give us an A plus for yesterday. Again, we punted one time, no turnovers. We shortened games down. You know, what did we, we, just the way you look at it, when we play a really good game offensively, we end up in that that 35 to 38 range point wise. We've had a couple jump above that. I think we really touched up Colorado and Stony Brook, but those are just awful football teams. So when we're humming along and everything's going the way we want it to, that's about where our points end up. And so really you can't be upset. Your quarterback played almost a perfect game. The running game was functional and effective in short yardage and it's getting us in front of the sticks. 
really, really upset still with our false start penalties on the offensive line. We had way too many, but we overcame it anyway. So not, not absolutely perfect, but it's an A for me for sure. Yeah, I thought obviously, you know, hard to hard to be too critical of that offensive um offensive performance. Like like Moss said, we only punted once. I thought one of the interesting wrinkles I noticed early in the game and I saw carried all all game long was the way we were um motioning and positioning our running backs. And we've seen this all throughout Moorhead's tenure here, right? He's very creative with with how he moves running backs around pre-snap. And one of the things I noticed um, not just was we, you know, starting the running back split and then motioning him into the backfield, which we've done obviously a lot over the last two years. But one of the things I noticed is that we actually were snapping the ball with the running back in motion still. And so we were, we were kind of getting a running start at those wide runs, wide options. Right. And sometimes he'd hand it off to, to, to die or, or mostly die who was kind of motioning still in his motion and then sometimes he'd keep it. And I thought that was a really interesting wrinkle. It, it seemed to, to kind of give us a running start on a lot of those stretch runs, outside runs, and it, it was clearly very effective. So I thought it was an interesting game plan wrinkle. We, we had Williams in the slot a lot, I noticed, too. Um, early in the game, particularly, we, we had Devin kind of uh, lined up in slot with either the running back split wide out, out beyond him or, or even another receiver sometimes. I think they were doing some stuff to, to move around. Um, you know, a couple, obviously the Williams 50 yard touchdown was a big one. It was, it was funny. I was, uh, where I sit in the stadium, I, I was kind of behind that play and watching it develop. And I think it was third and three or third and four when we, when we had that. And he had kind of, I think it was either Dyer Cardwell kind of, uh, back out of the backfield, like running in the same direction as Brown, like right at or beyond the sticks. And I'm like, there it is, there it is. Hit it first down, get the first down. And then he throws it long. And I'm like, Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! Oh yes, he caught it. Touchdown! Great, you know. So it was, it was, it was obviously an, an incredible throw. It does make me think. I wish we'd roll out Anthony Brown a little more and design rollouts. It's something we don't really do a lot of, and I, I feel like that might be effective in cutting the field in half for him. And and he seems to throw a little more comfortably on the move, even. And but that was a great play, obviously. I mean, I think having having Williams go over a hundred yards and Hudson Hudson was just incredible in the slot. I think having him back at his correct position um and nothing nothing against red or Pittman, but i mean hudson's just been great there the last uh you know the last two obviously we didn't see a lot of it at utah but i thought he had a couple of plays and even a couple of plays where he was open at utah in the slot and he was really really good in the slot yesterday and, and just had a ton of great catches big catches for third down conversions it was nice to see him get a touchdown finally i think that was his first one as a duck so um you know great play from those two guys i think you know brown's best game as a duck uh, for sure yeah, I would I would agree. I mean, Chris Hudson was really really good, and Brown was looking at him a lot um, in this game. Uh, offensively, we it seemed to me that we just kind of were going to do our thing, and we didn't think Oregon State could stop us at all. There was the one play; it was third and five, and we just ran kind of a QB run, and just completely disrespecting them, going, "We don't think you can stop us on third and five. You know, when we brought in our, our 12th personnel, which, by the way, after a rewatch, Dante Thornton is a very, very good blocking wide receiver. He had some very good blocks, especially on that touchdown run by Die. We just kind of had that attitude that, you know, we're bigger, we're better, um, and we're going to run over you guys. And when we do that, good things tend to happen. Um, when we really commit to that running game, especially committing uh, Anthony Brown to the running game, it just seemed to open things up. And, and Brown only had five incompletions on the game. He really, in this game, only had one poor drive, and we still got a field goal out of it. So 
you can't complain when your offense is as efficient as this. It might not be the, the sexiest offense in the world, but it gets the job done and it puts points on the board. At the end of the day, that's really what matters. So this is a, you know, if you're giving a letter grade, I give it an A, an easy A. Yeah, what, what was your, who was your guy's offensive player for this game? I mean, it, it, it really is unfair to give it to anyone other than Anthony Brown, I think. I mean, he threw for 275 and two scores. He ran the ball for 83 yards and a touchdown. Um, but if you're going to pick a non-quarterback, um, you know, Travis Dye had a sneaky good game, you know, 99 yards on the ground with a couple of touchdowns and then and then another, you know, four catches for 39 through the air. But I don't know. I'd go. I'd, I'd have to go Hudson. I think I think his his, you know, play in the slot and, and it feels like so many of those catches were key, you know, third down and even some third and longs, you know, we converted some third and longs. And I just thought thought he was really, really good there. So, a, yeah. I'm going to go with Hudson, too. Uh, Devin Williams, I mean, when, when you get him the ball, I mean, when you actually put the ball to him, uh, all year he's caught it. So um, the stats look really nice from yesterday, but that was more of a, a thing of just actually getting the ball to him where he can put his hands on it. But Hudson opening that slot position up, because we've always had that one target, I mean, when we actually get it to him. But, I mean, Hudson last week had, what, just shy of 100 yards, had 80-plus this week. I'm assuming those two last games are pretty close to Pittman's whole season output. So to have that position be so effective, you know, kind of on a dime, uh, huge overall for the offense. So Hudson's my guy if it's a non-quarterback as well. Hey, you guys stole mine. I was going to go Hudson as well. I'm going to go Devin Williams, though. I mean, that guy is – I mean, it's it's kind of a crime that he wasn't getting this wide receiver one reps earlier in the season. Obviously, we don't know why that was. He was incredible yesterday, and he is easily the best receiver that we have with the ball in his hands, which is insane for a guy who's six foot four, six foot five, has such strong hands, and really is good after the catch too. I mean, obviously that fifty yard bomb was great, but I felt that you know Hudson had a lot of clutch catches, but you know Devin Williams was taking crossing patterns across and getting first downs. I give it to him. I just I thought he was probably the best offensive player on the field yesterday. And a huge shout out to Anthony Brown for having a really, really, really efficient day. Um, when he's playing like that, it's hard for us to lose. Now the defense. I mean, this is kind of a mixed bag. Doug, what are your thoughts on on how the defense played? Yeah, I mean, kind of a tale of two halves or maybe even a tale of, you know, when the game was still in doubt versus when it wasn't. Uh, you know, I thought, as you mentioned earlier, really, really good against the run, especially, you know, the entire first half. I, mean, I think we really just kept them in front of us. I, I think they had one, you know, one drive in the first half that ended up with the field goal um, where I think they, Oregon State moved the ball pretty well, kind of did what they wanted to do. We're getting some five, six yard gains on first down and kind of kept moving the sticks and ended up with a field goal. But other than that, I mean, we really took them out of their game plan. We, we shut down their run. We got it into third and long. And we, I think we actually stopped you know, some of those, some of those long third downs, which is something we haven't done very well all season as we, as we know, uh, you know, second half, you know, Oregon state was forced to pass. And, and I think, you know, that plays to our weakness, you know, we're, we're really good against the run. We have been all year. We're not so good against the pass. And I think we saw the same things beat us that have beaten us all year. Right. we saw tight end usage, uh, you know, tight ends over the middle. And even, even on tight end outs, we saw a lot of tight ends catching the ball along the sideline and having tons of green grass in front of them. 
the touchdown to the to the tight end or you know early third quarter was I, I was sitting right there I was in that corner of the end zone and I saw it before the ball was even snapped when when they went into motion and lined that tight end up I'm like that's a touchdown to that guy on and out and sure enough that's exactly what happened and then I thought the other thing that killed us was the the screens I mean they just ran they ran some screens late in that game that just went for huge yardage huge so uh, you know credit for them for for getting there and and I thought we did not do a, a very good job of defending those two things. Um and then, you know, but overall I thought, you know, I'd give the defense a a good B uh for the game. I thought I thought when the game mattered, when it was in doubt, they were really stout. And then, you know, garbage time's garbage time. What about you, Moss? Run defense of course is great, especially with Noah missing so much time uh, in that game. He hasn't been himself in the last few weeks anyway. Uh, Brandon Dorless was incredible in that game. You really go back and just just focus on him. He was dominant. Didn't make a, as many plays as he probably could have, uh, but just his disruption of their offensive line was just huge. Um, like Doug said, when things were going really well on, on offense, our defense was good enough to really keep them off the board. Then, you know, as we kind of started trying to run the clock out, they had – and a credit to them coaching-wise, they had a perfect drive coming out of the half. I mean, they just marched it right down, scored a touchdown. Uh, they they figured out a way to isolate Hill quite a bit, and he got torched quite a bit, which was a huge part of their passing success in the second half. So um, Hill struggled a little bit in that regard. Uh, they, they did a really good job, I, I think, for the quarterback they had and the players they had. I, I thought Oregon State staff did a really good job in the second half getting them back into it. But our defense did enough, and so it's hard to get too outrageously mad when you win. And we held them under thirty points, so that's a that's a B for me too, I guess. C plus B area. Yeah, the end of this game was really frustrating. Um, you know, it, it, just the issues that have really plagued this passing defense all season. Um, really poor tackling, some bad angles. Um, and there was, you know, there were plays that, you know, could have been, you know, five, 10 yard gains that suddenly turned into 30, 20, 30 yard gains. And that's not acceptable, you know, from a defense like this. And I, I get it, you know, you in the second half, when they really started cooking, your two best players outside of Thibodeau, Mikhail Wright and Noah Sewell were both hurt on the same play. And so it, it is hard to, to, you know, rag on Tim DeRoyter too much because he has had an insane amount of injuries this year on his side of the ball. And while injuries on the offensive side we've been able to recover from, it just doesn't have seem to be the case on the defense. Um, and still, you know, good, decent safety play from Roe McKinley, the other position is a crap shoot. I give it a C plus. I think, I think you really, Chance Nolan's not a very good quarterback. And they kind of just let him do whatever he wanted. He got a lot of easy stuff, a lot of stuff in the flats that, you know, should be covered, but it wasn't. And, you know, I, I give it a C plus. You also didn't get to Nolan. You got towards him towards the end, but the pressure just wasn't, wasn't quite there. And granted that's because there were still some very obvious holds on Kayvon Thibodeau, but there's no need to get into that. Again, the, like Doug said, the tight end was our weakness. Again, Musgrave's a good player, but, they get a, a passing grade because of how good the defense was. Still, I just a little disappointed in 
in what I saw, and um, especially late in that game, you know. But then again, they also were put in a tough situation with the the onside kick, and you know who knows what the game looks like in that fourth quarter if they don't get that onside kick. So I guess guess we won't know. We'll just kind of have a, a bit of a discussion here, you know, what our final game thoughts were. Uh, Moss, I'll start with you. Uh, Cam Lewis is back on form. Hit hit pretty nice kick. Uh, I think he's going to be at least. I don't know if he's going to decide it, but I think he's going to be pretty important next week uh, here on Friday. Uh, we ran the ball well. We threw the ball well. Uh, more than one receiver have a pretty nice game, which which has been kind of a stretch. Uh, Cardwell looked pretty good coming coming down there as well. Offensive line was very good. I thought our D-line was really good. Uh, special teams, not great, which has kind of been the case for a while now. Um, but – this Oregon football team, this is as good as they get. I mean, we beat Ohio State the exact same way. I mean, you look at the stat lines, they're pretty similar. So we played our game. We barely punted the ball. We didn't turn it over. We forced one. You know, overall, it's not amazing, but you have to be happy with what you saw because, I mean, we've got 12 games now. This is as good as this team gets. So I'm, I'm not in love with it, but I'm happy, and hopefully we can carry that forward into Friday. Yeah, I mean it's this is this was a good win, and I feel a lot more comfortable going into Utah this next week. You know, I would have been way more nervous if we'd laid a duck egg or just not looked good. But we looked really good, especially offensively. And you know, I think that offense needed the boost. And you know, if if the defense for for plays much better against Utah on Friday, they play more like they did this week. I think we'll be will be a lot better off in that game. I I was pleased with this performance overall. Um, it's frustrating that they they came back towards the end. You want to see your team kind of close out and put their foot on the neck of the other team and and, and close it out in a positive manner. But you know, it, it, they scored twenty points in the fourth. We scored fourteen. It so it's it's not too hard to complain. But it, it was a good good win. Always good to beat the Beavers, um, and we're now ten and two on the season. So. Yeah, I'd be good final game. It really was, I think. Yeah, I, um, you know, it, it looked like a lot of games we played this year, right? Like we, we yep. won by 10, felt like we should have won by 20. Um, you know, same, same as Arizona, Colorado, Washington State, Cal. Uh, um, you know, we, we got up big, but we just can't ever seem to like close a game out and we kind of let it hang around and be a little closer. You never feel like you're going to lose, but you never really get comfortable enough to empty the bench either. And it's, that's just the team we are this year. And, and so, you know, it, it, at this point it is who he is. We're, we're, at, we're at the end of the season. It's not going to change. And uh, you know, if we can do enough early to be up and in that position, then I guess that's all you can ask for. So it's good, true. good win. Good, strong win. Yeah. This, this felt like every, every win we've had this year, you know, maybe outside of Ohio state, but and Colorado, I suppose we were in control for that whole game, but this was, it just felt like, you know, Oh my gosh, we're winning. We're doing well. And it's going to fall apart in one of the quarters. Something's going to happen. Some something's going to go the other team's way. And this team is good, but they're not quite good enough to just, you know, finish games out and dominate teams. We're not quite at that point yet. Um, I, I was curious. I figured you might know this. The announcers were saying at some point, oh, my gosh, this is the youngest team in the country. 
that's not accurate, is it? I, I don't know. I don't look at that stuff. I, I I mean, maybe it is when you look at the, you know, the overall roster and guys who are, you know, on the scout team and not playing yet. But, you know, when you look at like who's actually on the field, particularly on offense, that is just flat out wrong. I mean, we're starting a six year senior. We have a six year offensive lineman. We've got two fifth year offensive linemen. We've got a couple of fourth year offensive linemen. Our running backs, a fourth year player. Uh, you know, earlier in the year, we were starting fifth and fourth year receivers. Obviously, you know, a lot of those guys are gone now. But so the receiving core was young today, uh, for sure. But, you know, and on defense, we've got a lot of three year veterans in the in the two deep and starting. We have a lot of young guys, too. It's a mix. Um, I, I, I don't like I don't like that. I, I think that's I think that's kind of dishonest and kind of lame, um, to be honest. I, I think we have a very experienced maybe they're young, uh, you know, year wise. But I think we have a very experienced roster for the most part um, outside of a couple positions that have been decimated by injury. Yeah, senior day yesterday was really interesting because I didn't make it towards the game closer to kickoff. But what I was told by the people I was sitting with was there was like one or two people, you know, who who weren't who were healthy, who came out and they were, you know, actually had contributed. The yeah. rest appeared to be walk-ons. Um, it was a- it was a lot of walk-ons. It was a lot of walk-ons. Obviously, Red and and JJ both both came out on their on their scooters, and Thibodeau walked. Um, I I can't think of anybody else notable, but there was a lot of walk-ons. Yeah, I thought Thibodeau being included in that senior class was was kind of funny. It's obvious he's not coming back, but you know, for a, a junior, well, technically a sophomore, to you know, walk out and and wave to the crowd and, and go through all that. Was- that that sounded funny to me, but well, I think he graduated, also, so he's an academic senior. So good for gotcha, him. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, three years—that's no joke. The the graphic that they showed, I think it was on Friday. That was really interesting. You know, you you recognize you know three four faces, and the rest you don't. Um, and it's it seems like it might be the same situation next year because you know you've got a lot of super juniors and not a lot of true seniors next year. So that'll be interesting to see you know, who stays and who moves on, you know, does the coaching staff kind of, do they force some players out? You know, what do they end up doing? It's, it's going to be interesting to see the roster turnover this next season. I think that's maybe a subject for another pod, but uh, I will say just that's what, if you're an elite team, you don't have a lot of fifth year seniors on it or even a lot of times fourth year seniors. That's just it's true. It's true. what it is. Moss, you got anything to add? Really, you guys touched on all of it. But with the young thing, I'll, I'll, I'll give an example. So when, when Rich Rod was in Arizona, there was a time where they had 61 freshmen between uh, red shirts and true freshmen. And they kept carrying on about how they're the youngest team in the country. And they were going to be an amazing in a few years. And obviously that never happened. So, uh, yeah, being young, I, it's, it's never translated to anything. And like you said, if, if you're a great team, Usually most of your guys don't stick around till the end anyway. So uh, you can clamor that on TV and try to pin that to to good and bad play, but I, I think it's irrelevant overall. Everybody's young. It's college football. Yeah. Yeah, it's we have a lot of starting experience, it seems. But also COVID has really thrown a massive wrench into who's truly, you know, young and inexperienced and who isn't. But I mean, at least out here in the Pac twelve, it's it's almost hard to count last year as any type of development. It's minimal at best, it feels like. Um, yeah. 
Well, we had a bunch of injuries again. Noah Sewell got hurt. Mikhail Wright got hurt. Kayvon Thibodeau was clearly gassed towards the end of the game, but he kept fighting and kept going. So props to him. Uh, Popo got hurt on that last play, which that last play, by the way, rewatching that, man, that was some some dirty stuff from Oregon State there. That was not like we reacted great, but that was not 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 cool from them. Uh, Treshawn Harrison jumping over Dante Manning and trying to punch him was just – I didn't see that live, and that was shocking to see. But, yeah, we, another week, another batch of injuries. So that's great. Yeah, I mean, clearly Wright being out next week would be huge. Um, you know, the, the, it sounded like the initial speculation from Mario was that, he, you know, it wasn't anything serious. But, you know, we never know. I think Mario's not exactly forthcoming with injury information, certainly going into the Pac-12 title game. But I mean, there was a there was a significant drop off when Wright went out of the game, and and Manning really got picked on um, over there in his place. And you know, I mean, he's 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 younger. He hasn't played a lot. He's going to have some growing pains, and and it was evident that it's a considerable drop off. I thought DJ James played really well um, last night on the other side. Um, obviously, Noah being out would be would be critical. I don't think he's going to be out. He'll play, but I mean, he's clearly not a hundred percent. But it's you know, the end of the year, no one's a hundred percent. Um, Popo would be huge. He's been really, really unsung hero in the middle this year. He's a key to our run game um, defense. So I think that's a big one, especially, you know, a key on where Hudson's been out for several weeks now. It's really not been announced or talked about at all by by the program on what's wrong with him. But I don't think he's played in three or four games now. So he's clearly injured. Doesn't sound like it's season ending or it probably would have been announced and he's still on the death chart. So, you know, maybe he'll come back. Um, So, yeah, I, I think... There's a lot of uh, a lot of concerns, you know. If if these guys all play next week, I think you know. Hopefully, that's a good sign. If but if a, you know, if a Popo or a Wright is out, that's significant. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it, it's ridiculous. I mean, even in middle line, if you don't have Noah Sewell, you're playing Hilukalani and Jackson Leduc. Who Leduc looked solid yesterday, and really his first uh, playing time, I think most of the season he played a little against utah i think but he looks solid he's a big dude um keith brown is hurt again and you just drew mathis i felt really bad for drew mathis that, that he you know this is kind of his final year and you know it's senior day and and uh he got hurt in the first game really first quarter i thought and hasn't played since so you feel bad for guys like that and it's it's the injuries are frustrating but it doesn't seem like it's anything that can be prevented so you kind of have to, you know, keep taking the shots and, and keep getting up. So, Leduc's a good point. Um, it, it was nice to have him back. It actually looked like he's a, a, a high-end linebacker type. So uh, huge, huge relief to have somebody like that back in there. Um, the injuries just overall, of course, like Doug said, you know, losing Popo and Noah. I mean, even last week when we played Utah, it's we still did a pretty good job against their run game. And so losing your starting two gapper and then really your, your one linebacker that can really be a, make a difference in the run game. Um, that would be, to me, that would be a much bigger blow than losing. Right. Um, it seems like Utah tries to get their, their tight ends involved a bit more than the receivers. So, you know, linebackers make a big deal in that, but to, to lose the heart of our run defense, that would be huge. Um, so it can't have that. And then I just want to touch on it. It's so strange how much our depth is injured as well. I mean, like Robbie Ashford was out yesterday. 
usually you never have those kind of issues with guys that, that really never play in games. So uh, it's just been, I don't know if we're practicing too hard. It's really hard to pin any of that stuff on, on the way you, you condition, but it just seems way outside of the norm, especially with our depth injuries. But, you know, I'm, I'm, we've got a sports science center. I'm sure they're on top of it. And, you know, Coach Feld and all those guys do their things too. It's probably just a freak occurrence, but it is definitely strange that we have so many depth injuries. Yeah, it's been it's been killing us all year. It's This is probably the worst injury year since 2007. Um, it was just on the other side of the ball in 2007. You know, it seemed like every, every other starter at skill position was going out, except for like Jonathan Stewart and uh, – Maybe Jason Williams. Oh, no, Williams was lost for the year, I thought. I don't remember. That was a while ago. But, yeah, I mean, ho- hopefully we're, we come into Utah a little bit healthy. Because speaking of Utah, the rematch is on Friday. Um, Going to be a big game. Still a lot on the line for both teams. Shot at the Rose Bowl. Um, I would figure that even if Oregon loses, they might have a shot at a New Year's Six Bowl. But for Utah, I, I said this a little earlier, this might be the biggest game in their school history in the Pac-12 up to this point. Um, this is their shot. You know, if if they win, there's rumors that Whittingham might retire. Um, when, if they go to the Rose Bowl, excuse me, he might retire. So that's a team that really, really seems fairly focused over the last, you know, since they made the switch with Rising. And obviously the, the motivation with uh, the loss of Ty Jordan and Aaron Lowe, um, really seems to be propelling them forward. What What are your guys' thoughts on that game? Moss, I'll start with you. Um, well, we need to do everything differently, right? Nothing went right last week. Um, they call I mean, everybody made a pretty blatant mistake in that game. Um, quarterback play wasn't good. We made some clock management blunders, especially at the end of the first half. Um, nothing we did defensively worked. Offense, it just – always in our own way. And most of it was from a play calling standpoint. And then you go back and you look at the box score and it looks nothing like the rest of our games over the course of the season. So there's that one outlier, you know, Vegas still thinks this is a three point game. They thought the one, you know, I mean, we just lost by 31 and Vegas still thinks this is a three point game. So I tend to agree with that. I I think some injuries could make, make a huge difference. Like if Popo and Noah are out or if just Popo's out and Noah's in, but he's half strength, that's going to be a huge, huge deciding factor in this game. Um, I think they're a little bit better than quarterback. I, I know I say that as Anthony Brown played perfect, but I still think Rising's a little bit better quarterback. I mean, he made some monster throws against Colorado yesterday. So um, I think the biggest thing for us defensively is still stopping the run game. You know, we I thought we did a good enough job last week. Um, but really the biggest thing is we got to keep Rising in the pocket. Um, he's still going to make some big-time throws just like Stroud did when we played Ohio State, and that's fine. But to let him get outside and create, pick up easy first downs and things like that, that has to stop. And offensively, we've got to play our game, right? We've got to run the ball. We've got to stay committed to running the ball. Then we got to get Anthony Brown involved in the run game early and often. And hopefully Hudson being at the slot can have another 100-yard game like he did last week against them. We need to get Devin Williams involved. The guy's way too good to not have the ball six or seven times a game. So health on defense, I think, is going to be our biggest thing, which is completely out of our control. Uh, Containing rising, I think, is something that is inside of our control. And then 
our game plan offensively, we got to do what we do, even if things get a little ugly. I thought we abandoned it too early last week and then clock management doing the rest. So basically everything we did last week, we need to flush it and do the opposite and get back to the way we play football. And I think we've got a pretty good chance. I could still see us losing this one, but we're going to have a heck of a lot better chance of winning in that regard. Yeah. The, I, I mean, last week was a, was just weird. It was just, you know, a fluke. It was a snowball game. Utah came out like fired up, ready to play. They executed really well. Oregon, for whatever reason, just did not seem prepared to play that game. Had a couple of kind of self-inflicted wounds early and then just kind of let the game snowball on them. And I, that's not going to happen again. I mean, Utah might win, but it ain't, it's not going to be a repeat of that game. I think, you know, the, the big key is how is Oregon going to come out? There And it's a Pac-12 title game. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think we learned yesterday how Oregon's going to come out, right? I mean, they're going to come out ready to play. They're going to have, they have pride. You know, they're going to want to get revenge for this, you know, that beat down last week. So I, I think the energy, the effort's going to be there. I'm sure they're going to have a good week of prep. Um, it's just going to come down to, you know, can they execute the game plan? Um, and can they not make those self-inflicted, you know, mistakes at the at the really worst times, you know, which we've we've had a struggle with all all season. And they kind of really bit us, I think, early in that Utah game you know, a week ago, I think, you know, obviously it's not at Rice Eccles. It's at a neutral site. Um, I think that, I think, you know, Utah was at home. They had, you know, they had a lot of stuff going on pregame for, you know, for the, for the two players that had, had died in the last year or so. And yeah, I think there was a lot of emotion invested in that game on their side and we just didn't match that, but it's not going to be, it's not going to be at Rice Eccles. It's not going to be at altitude. It's not going to be in their stadium. It's going to be at a neutral site in Vegas and, that's that creates a very different environment, and I think the Ducks are going to come ready to play. To me, that's the key to the game, right? Like, you know, I, I don't think there's a lot to take away from the last game. I think there's some things. I think, um, you know, but it's one of those games where you just go like, okay, it just it was just weird. It snowballed. It got out of control early. Um, I think Moss, you touched on some really good um, keys. I think strategically that Oregon needs to do, but I think we just need to play our game. The Ducks just need to come out and play their game, play their game plan execute not make the the back-breaking mistakes and and then we're gonna have a fight we're gonna have a shootout this game's gonna be close it's gonna come down to the fourth quarter and uh you know hopefully the ducks will come out on top i think for me the guys that killed us last week really were uh keithy and kobe and so you've i know that we've struggled with the tight end all season long but Keithy is not a type of guy that you can just let him do his thing. I mean, we left, you know, tight ends wide open in the middle of the field against Utah. I don't know what was up with that, but we've got to get that fixed because otherwise, you know, those are their chunk plays. And then once they get in the red zone, they'll just kind of, you know, hand the ball off to Tavian Thomas and he'll do the rest. It's, you know, last week statistically at least was more of an even game than you would think, but they just had all the momentum throughout the the second quarter on really and like we've said multiple times it just snowballed so if this is an even game on a neutral site it's kind of a push i feel i don't know who really has the advantage because each team has positives and negatives that can offset it's it's going to be a, a battle and i i i don't know which way i'm leaning in terms of a pick um but what are some storylines that you guys you know, kind of think are going to be important, some matchups that you guys think are going to be important. 
Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think we touched on this earlier, but the the running stopping Utah's running game, you know, or at least slowing it down. So, you know, is Popo playing? Is Noah playing? Are they effective? Are they 100%? I think, you know, Utah kind of kind of let like let us slant out of the play a lot in their run game last week. So, you know, we would we would slant one way, and their running their running back would cut back and find a hole and and get a couple of, you know get the yardage. I think I think a lot of that was kind of after the game was decided. I think most of their rushing happened in the second half. Um, I could be wrong on that, but it, that's how I felt. Um, so I think, I think kind of, you know, maybe adjusting our strategy there a little bit. Um, I think you, you touched on it with the tight ends, right? We've got to, we've got to limit, limit that tight end play a little bit more. I think Covey's going to get his, I don't, I don't think he was why we lost, um, outside of the punt return, obviously it was a big, was a big kind of game ender. Um, but I thought Keithy was really huge for them. And I think, I think we got to do something to contain rising when we do get them in third and medium to long, right? We get third and six, we get third and eight, we get third and nine. We've got to make sure he doesn't scramble for the sticks, uh, which I think early on in the game, he did three or four times to extend drives that, that they ended up scoring a touchdown on. And that was, a, those were backbreakers. You look at it from a coaching standpoint, I, I guess I'll, I'll touch on two things. You, you look at it from a coaching side and if you're Utah staff, everything worked, right? I mean, everything they did worked exactly the way they wanted it to. So it's I, – I don't see any coaching staff going away from what already just worked incredibly well, what, two weeks prior. So their game plan is going to be – you would assume would be identical to what they did two weeks ago, where Oregon on the other side, I mean, nothing worked. So I would say Oregon has a big coaching advantage in that standpoint. It might not matter, but – there's a whole heck of a lot more to look at, change, do differently. We're on the Utah side. That's probably not the case. And so I, I think that slants a huge advantage for Oregon. And then to the tight end position. Yeah, we've given up a lot, but I, I don't think we're giving enough credit to the tight ends we played. I mean, Ruckert's a pro. Dulcich at UCLA is a pro. Stanford always has a pro. Right? Uh, Oregon State's got a great tight end. Otten up in Seattle's a pro. So Fotheringham, Keefe at Utah, those are both NFL level guys. So we have gotten torched by them, but in the same vein, those are terrific football players that are going to torch anybody. And they do. I mean, those it's just not an Oregon thing. Those guys are just big time players. So it, it, it would be nice to limit them. But guys at that caliber, they're going to be making a paycheck. Those guys make plays. So limiting them and trying to get our own going, that, that's that's kind of our inverse. We haven't had a ton of production out of our tight ends. They blocked really well, and they're really promising, especially the two true freshmen. But we just haven't had a ton of uh, production out of that position. So compared to the guys that we played that are older and are about ready to go into the draft. So, um, yeah, it's hurt. But at the same time, I'd, even if we were a better defense, I still think those guys have some pretty big games against us. Um, but overall, I don't want to say that we're going to win, but I definitely think this is going to be a heck of a lot better game. Certainly hope so. I don't think I can survive another performance like what happened last week. That would really sting. I think the biggest, like I touched on it a little bit, the biggest matchup for me is probably Covey. He's a good player, but I almost feel like they didn't, you know, take advantage of that matchup because he's probably going to be on Jamal Hill quite a bit. And it really seems like Hill versus Covey, that's a matchup Covey's going to win more often than not. 
I think this is probably a game where, you know, if if you want to let them do their thing, that's fine between the 20s. I don't think they're a super explosive offense. Um, they have the potential to be, but really when you get inside the 20, you have to stop these guys and you have to, you know, pin your ears back and go after them, which we didn't do. We didn't seem to play with a ton of effort in the red zone um, to last week. So that's, it's going to be key. You know, I think we'll, we'll, we'll give some predictions for that game real quick. Um, Doug, what do you got? You have Oregon or Utah? Oh man, I have not given this enough thought yet. Um, you know, it, it's a pick em game to me. Um, we're all duck fans here, right? So we're probably all going to pick the ducks to win. Uh, you know, I, I do think, you know, the rematch usually favors the team that lost the first time. Yeah. It, it, you know, they're the ones who, like you said, make more adjustments, you know, have to change their game plan. I think there was more motivation, uh, you know, to, to get that, get that back. Um, and I think, you know, the ducks, they got a lot on the line, right? Um, you know, third straight PAC 12 title, if they win, you know, Rose bowl, if they win, um, I mean, this this is crazy talk, but there's there's a weird scenario out there where they could actually make the playoffs. It's crazy. It's not going to happen, but it's theoretically possible. And they do play first before all those other games. So, um, you know, there's a put that aside. There's still a lot on the line. I think they're playing for pride too. Like they got embarrassed last week. They got embarrassed. So, and they're you know, it, and it comes down to it. Even with all the injuries, the Ducks have more talent on their team, and I think uh, I think they're going to want to put up a, a good showing. So I like it to be a close game. Um, I like the Ducks to win, maybe by maybe by a field goal, you know, somewhere in that range. I've, I've been thinking about it a lot. I, I'm still not 100 percent sure yet. So you go back. Utah was able to get pressure with four, which is very concerning. Uh, and they're they have a better player at quarterback. So, but I do like the coaching advantage. I think the neutral site thing. It's really hard to beat a team twice. And like you said before, I mean, this is Utah's slay the dragon moment. This is their third time in the last few years playing for the for the conference championship game. But on the other side, it's a huge game for Oregon too. There's no such thing as not getting up for a game of this of this magnitude. So. Being a Duck fan, I'm going to pick Oregon. Um, I think if we win, we're going to win pretty comfortably, and I'll, I'll have us by 10. So I'll, I'll do the same as the other game. I'll, I'll go we win 34-24. I might shock you guys a bit with my pick. Um, I'm going to go Utah in this game. I Something about it just doesn't quite feel right. And, and there's there's pros and cons to this situation. I think one pro that that I've kind of come back to a few times is Last year, we kind of came into that USC game going, we're probably going to get our butts kicked. And we ended up doing the butt kicking for most of that game. Um, I think Mario can get his guys up for big games like this because there's a lot to play for. And I know it's hard for a team to, to win twice, but I simply just think this game is going to be close. It's a push. And I just feel like Utah has a little more momentum at this point. I think they they – there could also be, you know, this is Oregon's third straight time. You know, they could win another conference title. You know, how badly do your guys want it? Because we know that Utah's guys want it. it. It's really a push. And for that reason, I think I'm going to go with Utah by a field goal. Um, I would very much love to be wrong. But that's just kind of how I felt throughout the week. Um, and yesterday was was good and it gave me some hope. Um, but 
the concerns that we've had with this team all season are still there. So, you know, and Utah is probably the best team at, you know, they've done the best job at kind of exploiting our weaknesses across the board in, in some ways. But I got Utah in this game. And it sucks, and I really don't want to see them win because I don't don't think they're conference champion level material. But that's just kind of how I feel. It's also going to be interesting in terms of the neutral site game, which fan base shows up more. Um, Las Vegas seems a little closer to Salt Lake than Eugene, but you know Vegas is quite the draw. So we'll see what happens. I think it'll be a pretty heavy Utah crowd. I think couple reasons one they can actually drive there um it's a it's a long drive but it's a it's a drivable um two they've had an extra week to buy tickets and make game plans or make travel plans and three they always travel like utah travels really well um i think they've they've dominated the pac-12 title game attendance a couple years they've been in it um and that's in san francisco so now it's a lot closer to home and conversely you know the ducks travel fairly well but not not as well as as utah um so I, I think it's going to be a you know three to one or two to one kind of kind of advantage in favor of Utah, but I don't think it'll be it's not going to be a home crowd advantage, right? Um, no, but they'll have an edge. There won't be enough people there to matter. I mean, there there will be more Utah people there than Oregon. I, I think you're both right on there. But in a stadium of that size, there'll be so few people there it won't matter. I'm curious, what's the stadium capacity for Legion Stadium? It's uh, 65,000. I don't think there's going to be 65,000 fans there. Probably not. But, I mean, I will say I'm very happy that it's in Las Vegas in Allegiant Stadium versus San Francisco and Levi Stadium. That stadium sucks. Terrible. It, it'll be night and day better. Um, I, uh, I, I think just generally moving that game, moving the Pac-12 title game to Vegas makes so much more sense. I think people will be much more willing to travel there, you know, just get to make a weekend out of it. Um, so I do expect it to be much better attendance. I don't, it's, you know, maybe what, 35, 40,000. I mean, that's maybe too optimistic even, but um, I think it'll be much better than we've seen at Levi's. I do agree. Uh, kind of the final topic for this podcast. Um, I just kind of thought I'd, I'd get almost final thoughts on the regular season in terms of Oregon, the Pac-12, and how you think this season went. Um, Moss, I'll start with you. Before the season started, I, I think everybody was kind of in agreement that this was a 10-ish a, a win team. Uh, most of us thought we were going to lose to Ohio State. I don't think anybody really had us in the playoffs. Um, obviously that Ohio state win kind of moved the goalposts a little bit and rightly so, uh, with as bad as the PAC 12 is, it, it seemed like a playoff shot was very realistic after that game. And so now we're sitting here at week 12, we're 10 and two, which is a great regular season. Like, I don't care what anybody says. You can be disappointed. We probably won't make the playoffs, but that's still a great regular season. We won on the road at Ohio state, which was incredible for those that got to go. Um, looking back, losing to a three-win Stanford team is awful. I mean, especially we'd still realistically have a really good shot to be in the playoffs if we only just had the loss against Utah last week. Um, so that's a little disappointing. Um, but you judge things on the aggregate instead of the week. Um, so overall, I'm happy with this season. Um, I think everybody's pie in the sky was winning the conference, which we can still do on Friday. So it, as, as far as 
my preseason predictions and, and thoughts went were right where I thought we would be. So I'm a little disappointed, you know, after getting that huge win at Ohio State, but overall happy. And especially if we can win on Friday, that's a monster season, especially for Oregon. Uh, I, I know everybody thinks we should be in the playoffs every year, but that's probably not reality. So uh, an 11 and we'll be looking at 11 and two regular season with a conference title going to the Rose Bowl. Really hard to be upset about that. Yeah, I'll um, I'll echo most of that. I th- I think it, kind of my baseline expectation for Oregon right now with the with with this staff and our talent and our recruiting, and and now we've had three or four years of it is we should be we should be winning the North every year, or or in contention, you know, on the last week of the season, let's say for the North, right? I mean, obviously there's peaks and valleys, you know, so you have talent talent kind of waves, right? But um, you know, we should be a seven and two conference t- uh, conference record every year team, and in contention for the North and and going to the Pac-12 title game. And then anything beyond that is is exception, you know, like an, an extraordinary year. And um, you know, I thought coming into the season, I thought nine wins was not enough. I thought ten wins was my prediction, and I thought what we should do, what the Ducks should do. Um, obviously, like everyone, I had Ohio State one, you know, kind of pegged as a loss. And once that happened, that kind of changed everything. And you look at the conference, especially you look at how badly the conference was looking early and all of those out-of-conference games, and you're looking at the schedule and you're going like, okay, we should go 8-1. and one. And I don't know what the one is. Probably at Utah, you know, or at UCLA were the two picks early in the year that you looked at as a potential loss. And obviously one of those happened. But we should be an eight and one conference team, and then this has happened around the the college football this year. Um, but we didn't. We we lost, and we I don't want to relive that ending of that game. Um, but you know, so we're right back where where we all predicted we would have been. Um, if we lose on Friday, is it a disappointing season? Is it mildly maybe? Uh, you know, I think I think ten and th- I mean a ten win season. It's hard to say a ten win season is disappointing, right? But you know, if you got a, if you're playing for a Rose Bowl and you end up I, I was kind of looking at it. I think the Fiesta Bowl is probably still likely. Um, you have to finish top 11 this year to make a New York six because Wake will will pull in the 12th spot. And it's hard to see us, I, I, you know, you look at who else is out there. I mean, maybe they would promote Michigan State or Iowa over us if we lost on Friday. Um, but they're not going to move BYU over us and the other teams behind us all lost. So. Um, I guess it probably depends on how badly we would lose in that scenario. So, you know, if the consolation prize is a Fiesta Bowl, like you, you can't, you can't really complain about that. Um, the other, the other thing would be an Alamo Bowl, which eh, would be a little bit disappointing. But again, you know, ten and two, it's hard to ever say ten and two is a is a is a miss of a season. So, I would tend to agree. I mean, I came into this season thinking we were going to lose to Ohio State, and somewhere along the line. We would drop a conference game. Just happens. I didn't think this team was good enough to go undefeated in the Pac-12. As bad as the Pac-12 is, it's really hard to go undefeated in conference play. Not many teams can do it. And so, obviously, we beat Ohio State. And I think probably the, the reason a lot of people are disappointed is because if there's a season to make the playoffs, if there's a season to run the table in your conference, this is probably that season. Um, we're looking at. Cincinnati and Michigan and maybe in Oklahoma State or Baylor making the college football playoff this year. Possibly. It, obviously, there's a, still a lot to happen, a lot to play for, for for a bunch of different teams. But 
right now as it stands, that's what it looks like. And so you, if you're an Oregon fan, you look at that and go, well, we probably should have been one of those three teams outside of Georgia. But I, I never thought this was a playoff team, and I think that was kind of proven over the season um, as it progressed. We played with fire way too many times. We played too many close games, or we didn't show up against Utah, and we didn't really show up against Stanford, and that's just going to happen in a 12-game season. So I'm happy with it. I mean, it's it's you can never say that a 10-win season is disappointing. Um, if we lose on Friday, that'll be a bummer. Um, but I don't think it it really says anything about you know the long-term outlook of this program because I think most Duck fans would agree preseason this season probably doesn't mean a lot. It's going to be 2022 and 23 and 24 where you're really going to see, you know, the fruits of the recruiting kind of, kind of blossom. So I'm happy with it. Um, going to be even more happy if we went on Friday. So I'm content with things. Um, and it was, it's a bummer that the regular season is already over. It feels like it just started and now we have to endure nine, 10 more months of no football here shortly. So. Well, I think that should just about do it. We've covered all our bases, everything we wanted to talk about. Anything else you guys want to touch on before we uh, head out? I've got nothing. Wait. Well, I, I think we've covered it all. Um, you know, uh, wish the wish the best for, for Mario's mother um, battling an illness out there in Miami. So hope. Yes. Absolutely. Hopefully he gets out there and sees her and that she she's doing better. So my thoughts there and, uh, you know, big game on Friday. Go Ducks. Yeah, huge game on Friday. A lot to play for. We'll probably have the second episode after that Utah game and we'll go from there. But it's great talking to you guys. A lot of fun as always. Go Ducks. We'll catch you later.